Well, welcome to the center. And um, uh, as people probably know, it's uh, it's run by Gil Fransdale, who's a Zen priest and a Roshi and uh, a man of great integrity and dignity who started the center with the help of people uh, like Maureen and Jonathan. Um, uh, and everybody's welcome. So this tonight is the second lecture in uh, a series on the five faculties. Um, the five faculties, the first being faith, second effort, which I'll be talking about, and then mindfulness, um, wisdom, and uh, oh, <laughs> now <Donnell> embarrassed. <laughs> um, wisdom. Wisdom and, oh dear, oh, where's the third one? Third, four, oh, concentration, sorry. Um, right, that, that I don't remember the concentration. Memory. <laughs> um, so I was just curious, who was here last week for the faith talk? Okay, and how did that go? Any comments or any news? Okay. Um, this is a five-week series on, the, as I said, the five spiritual powers, and tonight um, we're gonna, I'm going to be focusing on the power of effort. And um, I was supposed to have the, the the talk on wisdom, and I was really looking forward to that, even though I hardly consider myself a wise person. But I figured, kind of like I would, amp up, you know, ramp up my. <laughs> my qualities of you know, an inspiring wise person and then I was asked to change on effort and I said hmm that's good because you know um, well while you know we all may not have walked the path and attained wisdom you know we have to remember that how noble beings or enlightened ones actually got there was through effort so it was a humbling experience to make the decision to change out of wisdom to effort <laughs> So there's something I'd, I'd like to just read from um, Bhikkhu Bodhi, who's one of the foremost monks um, who, living today. Um, and he's talking about the, the, the five spiritual faculties of faith and effort, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. And he says, the term indriya, faculties, applied to this group as a whole is derived from the name of the ancient Vedic god Indra, a ruler of the devas, or angels, and the term accordingly suggests the divine-like quality of control and domination. The five faculties are so designated because they exercise control in their specific compartments of the spiritual life. As the god Indra vanquished the demons and attained supremacy among the gods, so each of the five faculties is called upon to subdue a particular mental disability and to marshal the corresponding potency of mind toward the breakthrough to final enlightenment. So you, re- you rarely hear the qualities of control and domination used, you know, used skillfully. You know, as a matter of fact, they have kind of a kinky, <laughs> you know, uh, sent to them um, because we, we don't think of uh, you know as a whole you know control and domination as being partic- you know, particularly spiritual uh, you know mind states that we want to cultivate 
But I lo- the reason I read what Bhikkhu Bodhi said is he's talking about faculties as being, you know, having heavenly qualities, okay, that really marshal, you know, the necessity to have control and domination over the forces of suffering in our lives, which come from uh, the force of greed, the force of hatred, and the force of delusion. So when he uses those words, and they're, you know, they're kind of startling words in, in Buddhist writing circles, because we tend to, to bend over and say more kind of, you know, uh, sent, not, not sentimental like a Hallmark card, but, you know, more gentle and more uh, easygoing and less what appears to be judgmental. Um, but there's something about, you know, the idea of control and domination and heavenly all being in the same kind of system um, in which effort is a part of it. Because effort, you know, without effort, we just basically can't do anything. You know, I mean, it takes effort to do everything. We had, you know, the effort of just coming tonight, for example, is um, one kind of effort. And um, what, why is that? It's, it's not just the physical effort, to, you know, which certainly exists too, but we're talking about another level of effort than just, you know, finding your keys and, you know, locking up and getting in a car or walking. Okay, we're talking about the effort as a courage, effort as a courage to um, enter the spiritual path. So just that alone, it's a little different than just showing up. It's basically showing up because we're all acknowledging the truth of suffering that, you know, why else, you know, uh, do we really come here when you when you kind of like if you take apart the crinoline of of things you hope to attain probably you know the core is that you know what the Dalai Lama says is you know nobody wants to suffer and everybody wants to be happy it's kind of like the bottom line so the courage to say okay you know I don't want to suffer and what are the instructions to end that you know I want to be happy and what are the instructions you know, to create that. And so the first kind of effort is, is really associated with courage. Courage to just, you know, say, I'm going to come, I'm going to learn, I'm going to practice, and I'm going to make the effort. Okay? So there's, there's, create, there's courageous effort. And then um, the second kind is called uh, transcending effort or liberating effort and that describes a kind of diligence um, of just you know moving through the challenging difficult miserable uh, heartbreaking times that we all inevitably experience okay so um, the normal or natural or conditioned response is to bolt the other way because the pain, the emotional pain just feels so unbearable or can feel so unbearable. So why is there such a thing called liberating or transcendent effort is that you're making the decision to use diligence to see clearly, to see the pain and the suffering for what it is and to make the effort that, you know, the Buddha talks about a heroic effort. 
you know, to really stick with observation, clarity, you know, the cultivation of insight, all requiring effort, you know, in order to walk the path that leads to the end of suffering. So there's an expression, if you can't transform, if you can't transform it, you transcend it. So in the sense that, you know, the pain is there. You know, I was talking to somebody um, who lost their mom recently. You know, it's, it's, it's a terrible feeling. You know, it's, it's a biological, like, wrench, right? Um, you know, there's something very um, heroic and courageous and... Um, requiring a kind of diligence just to stay with it. You know, not knock yourself out with drugs, sex, or rock and roll. You know, just staying with it. So, are we on the same page so far? Okay, nobody's running out the the door yet? Okay. And the third type of effort is um, a, a kind of progressive effort that keeps us from, you know, getting too complacent. If we make the efforts over and over again, you know, we start building up a power just as we do an exercise or learning a new language. So it, the progressive effort means that we just acknowledge that everything we do on the path to the end of suffering, every effort we make to see clearly, okay, is accumulative. It's going to amount to something. And the image that's often used in Buddhism is that there can be a bucket, and you know, every time we make the effort through mindfulness or awareness to bring our attention back to our breath or to the pain, to whatever the mind, ob- whatever the object is, you know, it's like a it's like a drop in the bucket. And you know, and even though it seems like it's not accumulating. You know, the mind wanders a gajillion times and it gets distracted even more. And so this kind of uh, progressive effort just says, okay, you know, it's just the fact that you're doing it. It's like it may not amount to anything, you know, you know, one at a time. But if you keep doing it, you know, there is a progression. There is a, a muscle being built. There is a path being, you know, uh, or a foundation being created. So those are the real, the three kinds of efforts, the one uh, stemming from root and courage, and the second is more transcendent, and the third is progressive kind of efforts that the Buddha talked about. You know, it, um, from the time the Buddha got enlightened to the time he died, um, it said um, that he gave more than 10,000 talks. Isn't that amazing? That's a lot of talks, right? And um, the Buddha also created a lot of lists. And by the way, there is on the Insight uh, Meditation Center uh, uh, many lists of like the Four Noble Truths and the Five Spiritual Faculties and the the Eightfold Path. I mean, there's, you know, we're just good at creating lots of numbers. And, um, And you find effort coming up a lot you know it's it's one of the uh, factors of the eightfold path right effort it's also part of the five spiritual powers 
okay, which is what the series is about. Um, it's also considered a parami. Paramis are the um, are the um, the qualities that you need to be filled like a bucket in order to attain enlightenment. And some traditions are six, and there's some some traditions it's ten. In our tradition, it's ten. And parami really means perfections, and effort is considered a perfection, as is virtue, as is dana, uh, generosity, giving. And when you meet noble ones, completely enlightened beings who've purified their mind, who've applied the five faculties and who've walked the Eightfold Path and have perfected what they call, you know, the effort or the, um, the energetic uh, barami, the uh, perfection, um, it means that they've harmonized their lives with other spiritual qualities. Um, in, until the, you, there's the development, development process is completely over and just the, the state of liberation, awakening, is there. Um, another way of saying the same thing is that in order to uproot the, what the Buddha called kilesas, the defilements of the mind, and we can't take them personally, greed, hatred, and delusion, um, that are just, you know, part of the being born and reborn in the cycle of samsara, the cycle of birth and death. Um, there's tools that we have. And effort, as I said, shows up on, you know, many of these lists. And um, because it's, this is not a passive spiritual pursuit. It's not something that's done to us. It's not like, you know, when you go um, to the dentist or something, you know, the dentist cleans your teeth. Okay, it's, it's not like that. I mean, it's, if you don't, um, you know, develop effort, including heroic effort, um, it, it, you know, those drops in the bucket don't accumulate and you don't get far on the path. On the other hand, um, you know, too much effort or a sense of striving, like, you know, getting all A's. You know, remember that? Horrible. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry if anybody's still doing it. <laughs> um, um, that, that experience of you know competition and striving, got to get there so we can get to the next place, the next school, the next job, the next. Um, and that's not what the Buddha was talking about either, because striving could be a form of attachment or craving, which is the root of suffering, because you're so busy trying to get something or get somewhere um, that you're not using. Just the, the power of the mind to collect itself just to be here in this moment, which is the only moment we have. You know, the past is a thought in our mind and so is the future. This is it. You know, what I said five minutes ago might as well be with the dinosaurs. It's gone. Where'd it go? Who knows? You know, we can make all the predictions we want about the future, but who knows? Um, and so we're talking about an effort to bring our mind collect it in a sense of harmony along with faith, effort, wisdom, concentration, mindfulness. You know, these, are the fac- these are the faculties or the powers or the controls okay, that we need to harness. Uh, what will otherwise take over the mind? You know, greed, uh, you know, the force of desire. You know, one side is wanting, the other side is you know, pushing away. And delusion, not seeing things clearly. 
you know, uh, is a breeding ground for suffering. Because with those forces in the mind, the Buddha said, you know, there's no peace of mind. So we have to use these different uh, um, um, suggestions and recommendations. And I, I don't even, you know, they're, that, that, that's too light of a word. You know, these have to be, you know, these have to be attained. You have to work with all these qualities in order to create the ultimate harmony, the ultimate harmony of freedom from suffering. And, I, you know, there's nothing, I think, that inspires me more than thinking about or contemplating that freedom from suffering is possible. You know, it's not, it's not a storybook. You know, it really happens, and it happens. You know, there have been countless Buddhas in the universe. You know, this, the Buddha, Shakyamuni Buddha, that we, uh, that we uh, are most connected to, 2,500 or 2,600 years ago. It's just one part, you know, one human being out of countless numbers of beings who've actually walked the path to the end of suffering. And it comes with a lot of effort. It comes with a lot of heroic effort. As Maureen noted, I spent um, uh, several years, two years in Thailand uh, in, a monast- in two different forest monasteries. And these are, you know, challenging places. You, know, you sleep on the floor. You have one meal a day. You know it's hot. There's bugs. There's snakes. It's you know it's a, there's a different language. You know it's a challenge. Um, uh, and I particularly like comfort. I'm always looking for the you know the softest chair. And I'm always as I said I'm kind of a snuggler. You know so you know it's hard to snuggle um, on a hardwood floor. <laughs> um, and so just the effort of, and everybody, not just me, I mean, everybody has their own chelases defilements that they're fighting. Um, the effort that just the whole community would put in just to get up every day and follow the schedule, you know, just from 3 o'clock in the morning to like 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night, just that effort to respond, you know, to the bells throughout the day you know, for meditation or walking or eating or uh, work periods or rest periods. You know, just just that, you know, keeping within that schedule required a huge effort. But that was just the start. I thought it was a finish. Just that I <laughs> get through one day. But then you realize as the mind collects through effort and you start noticing, you know, more closely the qualities of the mind, you know, through effort and just seeing how wild it is, seeing how unsatisfied it is, seeing how deluded. When I say deluded, by the way, you know, there's a lot of ways to look at delusion. And we're not talking about like, a, you know, from a clinical psychiatric perspective of a, of a deluded schizophrenic or whatever that. We're saying that people who don't see clearly um, the three characteristics, the, the, the truth of impermanence, uh, the truth of suffering, and the truth of emptiness, that, it's, it, you know, that these are impersonal phenomena, just, just happening, They're not happening to anybody. And you go throughout the day, and by the way, there's no radio, TV, distractions, there's nothing. You can't just you know, turn away from your mind. You're right there. Um, especially you know, the, in the many, many months I didn't know the language, and it's a tonal language, Thai, five tones. And um, 
I used to always get, um, people used to joke with me, at least the Western monks and nuns, um, that I spoke Thai with a New York Jewish accent. <laughs> I think I've said that before in this room, but um, just the effort to learn another language, you know, and the effort to endure the frustration of just, you know, not wanting to talk anymore because nobody understood me. And then listening to people and not quite getting it because I didn't quite get the tone. You know, just those kind of efforts. And I'm not bringing these up, you know, to say, like, I'm so great that I endured this. I mean, if we went around the room, you know, you can talk about, everybody could talk about these situations that they've been in, in relationships and jobs and, you know, families and things, where, you know, you've had different, you know, challenges that really went against your nature. You know, somebody was indirect with you when you're a direct type, and it's like, they only just told me, you know? It's like, we come across these things every day, and when you're in a monastery, or when you have nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, as the saying goes, like on a meditation retreat, you know, your mind gets to see, you know, uh, I mean, you get to see, observe how your mind works, and the effort to not run away, or not not to fall in love, get intoxicated with what you like, or to try to beat off what you don't like, you know, requires um, this force of effort that the Buddha was talking about, this heroic effort. It's so hard to look at the qualities, that the unskillful qualities that we've developed, you know, through conditioning. It's like, it's like I, I, I said, you have to have a, have a strong stomach to be a meditator. <laughs> so why am I saying that? Because when we look in, you know, we, a lot of times we just see things that, you know, we don't like. They're not skillful. You know, our complaining, you know, our, you know the critical mind, the kind of uh, sarcastic mind, the angry mind, um, the manipulative mind, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then you look often enough with enough effort and you just start to see them as what they are. You know, they're not yours. You know, they're, they're qualities that are empty. They're impermanent. They rise and pass away. So through that effort, you know, comes a lot of other qualities, like just the patience to endure it. There's that word in Thai that they use all the time, autan. And it's like a determination that... You know, you could be just sweating, like ugh, drenched. Um, and you're drenched all the time, so there's no point in, like, getting up every five seconds, taking a shower, because it's basically never, you're never going to cool down. So you, you make the determination, the effort, you make it through the day just to, okay, I'll take, like, four showers a day, which I did, or five, and everybody does because it's so hot. I, you know, I won't take 20, which I felt like just standing under the... <laughs> well, a lot of times I just had a bucket of water. And sometimes there was this little drip and I would just stand there. Like, huh. um, but the point is, you know, you, you can't run away. The heat's the heat. Your family's your family. Your, your job's your job, at least for the time being. You know what I mean? There's things that, you know, the traffic's the traffic. Yeah? You know, so where are you going to go? Um... And so this is the this is the idea of um, you know making the effort to not act out in the key laces, the defilements, not act out in anger or uh, 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 anger and rejection or you know the desire for revenge or you know passive aggression or whatever. It's the the effort to be present for what's 
um, pleasant without grasping it, unpleasant without kicking it out. And um, um, basically, you know, being there for even the dull moments that don't attract you or distract you from uh, one of the other sides and just enduring that too. Every moment of life isn't, you know, a carnival or, you know, a stimulant. You know, a lot of it's just, you know, um, the nuts and bolts of life, you know, uh, taking care of a body, taking care of a mind, and taking care of a bank account, taking care of a family, you know, taking care of a mortgage, and, you know, and to the extent that we make the effort to do those things well, you know, is, is, is very important too. It's not too, it's the essence actually, because we learn in spiritual life uh, that, you know, there's nothing out of the realm. It's all embraced. So it's not, I've recently had an experience with a, um, you know, like a, I'll just call it a consumer issue. <laughs> consumer issue. And, you know, the, the anger, you know, that I was, I felt taken advantage of. And, you know, I was like the victim and he was the victim. You know, the mind, you know, generating all this rather than, that's just, that's the way it is. And I can make a decision out of that, he, you know, I, I feel like a victim, right? Or I can make a decision out of this happened, you know, what's the most skillful way to proceed? And that's not to say those feelings of anger and revenge and whatever don't come up, but it's the effort to see, you know, they're impermanent mind states. They're not who I am. I don't, I don't have to act out of them. And so, you know, that's the... Um, transcending and the effort and the, I mean, the courage and the diligence, you know, to progress because when I don't act out of those or when we don't or you don't, um, uh, there's a power that arises in the mind and in the heart, and that's, which is why the five spiritual pa- faculties are often called the five spiritual powers. You know, effort brings power. And not the kind of power where you're like... Um, you know, like a bodybuilder power. It's the power from the heart, right? So it's not that you can, you know, pick up a ton of bricks or, you know, move a car, you know, not not that kind of power. It's um, the power of, you know, training the heart and training the mind to um, develop what's skillful and to uproot what isn't. Those are the two, basically, where we're put, you know, where we're putting our efforts, you know, as we train the mind to keep coming back and coming back and coming back to the present moment, whatever it is, and knowing it, um, we can also, uh, you know, arise qualities in the mind with great effort of loving kindness and compassion, for example, equanimity, uh, um, you know, through thoughts and images and guided meditations that uh, create, you know, an uplifting sense of the mind rather than putting the mind in the dump when you're just so busy, you know, he'll get his and everything, everything that goes around comes around and how could he sleep on the pillow? You know what I'm saying? You know, that kind of deal. The kind of, you know, the, um, how the mind spins out. And I'm just giving you an example, but, you know, the power of your own mindfulness is uh, to, to look within and seeing how your own mind spins out. Okay. We all spin out differently. Uh, we all grasp differently. So, um, 
the effort to understand how we grasp without judgment, okay, takes a huge amount of effort, huge. And um, next to one of the monasteries that I lived in, there was a train that went by a few times a day. And I can't tell you how many times I thought about jumping on it. You know, I was like, oh, God, get me out of here. Um, maybe this, I hope I can jump on the air-conditioned car. <laughs> but I didn't. And so, um, you know, I, I had to always come back, as we all do, um, to just what is, you know, the complaining mind or the sarcastic mind or the haughty mind, whatever. You just, you just come back. And, you know, that's how um, the effort pays off because it pays off in strength, it pays off in power. And it, it even, you know, through, quote, what Bhikkhu Bodhi calls control and domination. Wow. You know, it sounds very strong because it is. You know, the forces of delusion and greed and, ang- and, and hatred are so strong. The Buddha says, basically, unless you harness them and try to uproot it, you know, just good luck. You're just going to be in the cycle of suffering over and over again, this life and every other life to come. Okay? So, um, this is serious business. And it doesn't come through passivity. It comes through um, sometimes, you know, heroic effort, really just making sure you stick with the schedule of a, of a retreat or a day or a difficult situation. Or it also comes from effort is also a form of surrender. You know, which could sound passive, but it isn't. You know, it's a special time, type of effort where you just, you say, okay, this is the way it is. You know, this is suffering. This is painful. And here I am. And it's like a sinking in to the experience, a surrender to the experience. Um, rather than striving your way out of the experience. You know, from the jumping from, you know, junior high to senior, senior high or college. You know, it's just being there in whatever the experience is. You know, just being, you know, in unhappiness or suffering as a way of, of using effort to, in a non-striving way, um, I think because in the Western culture, we all have been conditioned so strongly to be strivers. You know, if you're at level one at a job, then you want to be at level two, right? And you're level two, then you want to be at level three. And you're always like, I got here, but like, you know, that was good. I got my raise. But then you're looking forward to the next and the next and the next. And, you know, that's, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with you know, wanting to attain and achieve through striving. But um, it's not as helpful in the spiritual life because in the spiritual life, if you're striving, unless you know you're striving, you're missing your direct experience. You know, you're so busy striving, it's like you forgot you're also breathing. Yeah? Or if you're so busy trying to get away from your misery, you know, a lot of times the misery just you know, get stronger and louder because it wants to be recognized. But we're so afraid of that pain because it's so painful. You know, who wants to surrender to it? But the Buddha said, um, the resistance, 
the effort we make resisting our experience, you know, um, put that effort elsewhere, which is to have the experience. So it's actually kind of a brilliant kind of saying, you know, we, we've misguided ourselves and we put so much effort into resistance. So now we have to, you know, drop the resistance and just be with the experience. So I just wanted to read you um, some last lines before I take questions. Emily Dickinson, we're talking about Emily Dickinson, the poet, lived a very quiet life, saw very few people, and spent most of her time alone in her room. Yet she was so attentive and saw with such sensitivity and precision that she could only sum up her experience in this way. To live is so startling, there's little time for anything else. So, thank you very much. And um, uh, we have time for discussion and questions on the spiritual power of effort or any other questions that you might have. I'm happy to answer them. And Maureen will be like Phil Donahue, roving. Remember Phil Donahue? Roving through the audience. Am I dating myself? (laughs) Um, you talked about all the different lists in that and I'm wondering like I heard you say one of the things of the efforts you should make is to experience what's happening now Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that the meditation falls into that in some way with all the lists there are other practices of how you can work on effort or other ways to do to know that you're doing effort or is there a list <laughs> <laughs> well you know you can make an effort to cultivate generosity in your life you can make an effort to cultivate uh, virtue you know to crank up your connection or your protection of the precepts you know not uh, uh, not killing not stealing not not engaging in sexual misconduct or uh, gossip, you know, intoxication. You can stop. You know, you can make that effort to redouble your efforts. You know, you can make your effort on you know restraining from unskillful actions that you know are only going to cause you and other people suffering. Um, so it's endless. Uh, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be on the cushion in terms of bringing your mind back all the time, but. Ultimately, it's creating a balance effort. Ultimately, that's the harmony that we're trying to uh, create where the skillful overcomes the unskillful. And so through that, we're making the best decisions we can. Is that helpful? Yeah, it gives me a lot more ideas of where to put effort because I think I am a striver. Yeah. And not to strive is probably an effort I need to make. Well, you know, um, just recognize you're striving. Make that effort. Because just knowing 
that's the state of mind you're in is exactly the, the point of meditation, which is being aware. So it's not to avoid striving, it's just to know it. What does it feel like? What are its qualities? Yes, Maureen? You said they were paired. Paired? That, that the, um, each faculty has its opposite. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. The, the opposite of effort is laziness. <laughs> so, uh, you know, like the opposite of faith is just kind of like believing propaganda, you know. You know, uh, so, um, you know, who hasn't had that experience of, of laziness, you know, just in daily living or just, in, you know, in meditation. It's, you know, it's just the effort, you know, to counteract laziness with effort is what needs to be done. So that's the... That's the other side of effort is that, you know, the other, the countervailing force pulling you in the opposite direction, which you need to be controlled and dominated by effort. But again, you know, we talked about control and domination, very strong vocabulary, but it's also like in the, you know, in the heavenly system of uh, um, Indria, you know, being the force, the godlike force over the angels, you know, so... Uh, it's not in a kinky context. It's actually in a very celestial one, you know, taking us out of the, the realm of suffering. Yes, anybody else? Yes. Hi. Hello? Hi. Hi. I just had a question. How do you reconcile what you said about accepting suffering or wherever you are in a situation and also making the effort to get out of it, to um, move on? Because the acceptance of it helps transform it or transcend it. So it doesn't mean just, just letting go and, like you said, defeat. It's more of a, you, you still have the effort of looking forward to getting out of it. Well, um, the effort of being there for your experience, and then seeing it change because nothing's nothing's permanent. So the effort of looking forward is just you know, seeing that's a quality of mind. You know, just knowing that that's you know where your mind is leaning. And as soon as you you lean into the experience, there's a surrender to it because you're not resisting. Um, but as the Buddha said, don't believe me. You have to see it. You, know, you have to see for yourself. So that's the effort. Sure. I'm new at this. My name is Jude. Good evening. Um, what you're speaking of, is there a book that that I can get mm-hmm. that will give me all of this, the five and explain other things as well? 
yes, there's many books, and there's also some books for free distribution. I get there. Um, and then there's a, a library, and then there's many, many talks on the Internet on the five spiritual faculties. Well, unfortunately, my Internet is, like, down, and that was one, and one of the next things I was going to ask is, do you have the capability of a cassette, making a cassette, you if know, I pay for that? I don't think that that's being, we used to, yeah. Okay, and the library is inside? They do have a lot of cassettes. Oh, yeah. Right through that door, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, lots to know. Okay, and there's also uh, um, at Abayagiri Monastery, um, which is uh, the lineage of Ajahn Chah, the uh, great meditate one of the great meditation masters of the 20th century. Um, um, it's uh, up in Ukiah, Redwood Valley. They have a lot of free resources too, like tapes and. Seats. Who was that again? I'm sorry. Uh, I can write it down for you, Abayagiri. Is that Dr. Shah? Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, they're Western monks. So there's lots of uh, things available. They have seats. Uh, I think tapes are like are in the Smithsonian now. I don't think anybody <laughs> even knows. It. So I think it, it's yeah. I think it's CD. I think it's at least CDs, if not MP3s or whatever. So, yeah. I have the capability of running the CDs, but um, I just, right now I'm down on my internet. Right. So that's the crux of that problem. Right. <laughs> okay. Any, any other questions? Yes, please. Is this on? <clears throat> Does effort have what's called a near enemy? Laziness. That's definitely the near enemy. Because if you're not making an effort to be courageous or progressive or diligent, you know, then laziness, you know, creeps through the cracks. You know, trying to, it's the dark force that's trying to pull your mind away from awareness to, you know, just spacing out, sleeping, you know, falling, you know, TV, radio, you know, just distractions. Um, not saying that distractions don't have their place. It's fine. Uh, it's just to know you're distra- you know, that you're, you just want to space out and you're making a conscious decision to distract yourself. It's okay. I'm not making a judgment on it, but it's good to see how laziness creeps in and if it happens over and over again, then you have to use effort as the antidote to, um, um, Control and dominate from the heavenly perspective of just not wanting to suffer, you know. I hear you talking about laziness and then staying there. And I realize one of the reasons I wanted to hear you is weight is one of my issues. And I notice as I make the efforts to move away from that, I go to shopping. Or I go go other places. It seems like I substitute 
and then I have another effort to make in, in, in that. And it, 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 so staying there is something I, I guess I want to know more about how do you stay when it seems like my mind, and I, I don't know, I'm sort of making it not part of me, but it is, almost tricks me into, yeah. you know, because I'm working about not eating, and then all of a sudden I'm shopping and I'm looking, oh, I don't want to do that either, and then, you know, I might be watching TV. <laughs> you know, it, it, it seems like, as I say, I get tricked. That, that are, it, It's just there's so many ways that I, I can't seem to focus and notice all of them at the same time. Well, first of all, it's excellent insight that you have that, you know, the mind just keeps moving along. If it doesn't find an object through food, it finds it through shopping. If it doesn't find it through shopping, it finds it through music. It doesn't find it through, you know, so it's just a, this unsatisfied mind, you know, just looking all over the place and not staying put. And, you know, the effort to just, you know, see, feel the compulsion, you know, that's driving you like a, you know, you know, to... You know, that's what that's what desire does. It's it's you know, if it's not satisfied here it goes here. If it's not satisfied there it goes there. You know, it's just it's endless. That's what the Buddha said. You can't get your desires filled, desire desires. And so it's not gonna stop. So the, the heroic effort there is to experience the force of compulsion. And it's hard. Compulsion is hard. It's like it's very hard in the body. I mean people do anything to avoid the experience. You know, drugs and, you know, big time drugs, you know, to avoid pain. Big time alcohol to avoid the pain. You know, people do all kinds of, you know, addictive things uh, to avoid the pain. Eat, you know, shop, sex, gamble. You know, I mean, it's that, 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 you know, internet. Um, so it's that drivenness. Um, so it's the effort to, you know, to really understand the territory, the contours of drivenness that, that's behind it is really the, the, the core. But great insight that you have. You know, you're working on weight and then you don't do that and then now you're shopping and, you know, <laughs> and you wake up and you realize you don't want to be doing any of it. It's good. You know, not that those can't be enjoyable, but they're not doing the trick. That, that what the Buddha said is the most nourishing, the most satisfying experience is the end of craving that's the ultimate so one of the things that works for me is to be kind to myself and and so i'm wondering if there's other things that it's sort of like okay i did that forgive myself move on are there other things that for some reason that makes it easier for me to accept i'm doing are there other activities i could do that when i notice it to stop it well, I like being generous. I like just moving outside myself. You know, just, just, you know, I just get so sick of myself and my mind so much. You know what I mean? It's just like, ugh, I, I just can't. I just said this, you know, I'm stuck or I'm just, I've seen this pattern a million times. And, you know, it could start really bumming me out, you know. Um, and... Uh, to use a kind of teenage expression, you know, I start getting really down. And uh, so if I open my heart and just try to be generous and do something, it's a form, you know, it's, it's, def- it's a, one of the perfections, you know, to, to 
uh, of letting go is to be generous, and it gets me out of myself. It's Can a you give of, some examples of how you, you're generous? You know, I, I cook for somebody or I call some... Yeah. It can be. You know, it can be money. Um, but a lot of times I just like calling my elderly aunts or babysitting for a family that I know, you know, needs, the couple needs time or, you know, um, taking a friend's son to the swimming pool so she can do other things or, um, you know, buying a present for someone who's down and out, you know, not, not necessarily financially, but having a hard time clean my closets. I mean, that's a form of generosity, you know, get organized. But um, skillful activity, and I like, I enjoy, to me, generosity is a tremendous form of kindness because, you know, um, who, who's the recipient? You know, you feel good about being generous, and the person who receives the generosity feels good about that, so it's kind of like a win-win situation. And above all, you're out of your own, you know, mind system, which could just drive you crazy after a while. So that's what the Buddha said. You know, he, he gives lots of things. You know, it's not just sitting here plunk. You know, that's, that doesn't create all the harmony we need, need. A lot of people are really excellent meditators. You know, they can harmonize their mind. They could be very concentrated. But they're cheapskates. <laughs> or they don't, or they, you know, or they drink a lot or they you know or they um you know gossip or cheat on their partners i mean you know i don't know you know they they don't do skillful things um and so the buddha says that's just not going to get it's it's not just one thing it's it's the whole package the five spiritual qualities build on each other and they're interrelated but they're you know that's why there's that's why there's five or that's why there's ten or that's why there's eight I mean, you know, it's one of the ten efforts, one of the ten perfections. It's one of the five spiritual faculties. It's one of the qualities on the eightfold path. You know, as I said, it keeps creeping up, but it's it's never alone. As you were talking in this context, I realized that I spend a lot of time on either polarity of efforting and laziness that I will strive beyond belief and look for perfection in my work and just be over ambitious and getting things done and getting things right and then there's sort of this collapse this sort of not, and it's like oh there's got to be a place in the middle yeah that, that's a really good insight too and that's where the um, that's, where, that's how the middle is created is by seeing how the mind volleys back and forth between the extremes. And eventually, you know, you, you, doing that enough, you know, the mind rests more in the center. But we have to keep bringing your mind back all mm-hmm. that time. And, you know, you're here, you're volunteering. That's a huge force of generosity. It's not laziness, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very skillful thing to be doing. So... I think it's also skillful to look at the things that you do, you know, that aren't extremes, mm-hmm. that do fall in the middle. 
and to see that that middle exists in your life. Mm-hmm. So you're not, you know, you're not convincing yourself yeah. <laughs> that you're an extreme person. Mm-hmm. No. There are things that you do that are skillful and they're more, um, they're mo- you know, they're more moderate. You had said about generosity and um, I found that to be a really, really helpful thing. It's, it's almost a cure-all to the point that if I'm really having trouble with somebody, there's some interaction that's really painful for some reason. I mean, even if somebody's really in the wrong, I'll stop and step back and do something for them mm-hmm. or approach them in some way. And it breaks something. It takes care of so many other problems. It's like you have to stop and look at what needs to be done or what you could do and, and, you know, okay, this is an uncomfortable situation, but it's miraculous. Yes, it is. Yeah, it dissipates a lot of the negativity because, you know, you you unstick your mind through an act of kindness. So you, you open up a spaciousness that, that didn't exist before. And a nourishment. I had an interesting story that somebody told me. We have to stop in a minute. Excuse me, two minutes ago. Um, um, a woman I know who lives in New York and has a bunch of children and you know works hard and her husband works hard and you know the usual grind. And you know she, we were talking together and she said she worries a lot about money. Um, which is, you know, a very painful worry because it's like, you know, you have five kids and they're depending on you and you're working as hard as you can. So is your husband. It's like, you know, the feeling. So, um, or you can empathize with the feeling. So I, I said, what do you do? And she said, um, uh, when I worry about money, I, I give to charity. And I was just startled by that response. She said, I, I, I just, you know, use generosity as a way of saying, okay, you know, I'm still going to, I still have the power, you know, to be generous even though I'm worrying about money and it kind of loosens my anxiety because whatever I give, I know it's going to kind of multiply and spin out. So she didn't use her fear of money to become you know, stingy. Isn't that a beautiful story? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I was so blown away by that story, the next time I saw, I, I saw her, I said, you know, did I hear that story right? Because I said, you know, not, you know I, said, I just want to make sure I got it right because I was so, you know, touched by the response of that. You know, how do you deal with that worry? And she said, by being generous, giving to charity. So, anyway, I'd like to thank everybody tonight for your effort to come. I encourage you in heroic effort, transcendent effort, and diligence. And, um, um, staying on the path to the complete eradication of suffering which the Buddha defined as the end of craving.